listening to Rock, Pop, and Roll. All right, everybody, how are we doing out here in New York City? I think we're just about to get ready right here, right now. Mr. Rick Richards, would you please? So the band, Georgia Satellites, they had one fluke hit from their self-titled debut album. Honestly, it was a bit of a Chuck Berry-ish throwback for the 80s radio catalog of barroom rockers, the Georgia Satellites. Rock, pop, and roll, episode number 26. Georgia Satellites, they don't come around top 42 often, those songs. Like uh, like the Georgia Satellites uh, were purveyors of. There was the once bitten, twice shy uh, of Great White. There was the, the jealous again of the Black Crows. And there was the great keep your hands to yourself from the Satellites. My honey, my baby, don't put my love on no shelf. She said don't give me no lines and keep your hands to yourself. That thing rocketed all the way to number two on the top 40 singles charts in early 1987. Number two. Songs like this, that doesn't happen, but it did. This is episode 26, Rock, Pop, and Roll, The Georgia Satellites. Looking back at the greatness of the Atlanta rock and roll bands. Why do I still think about them, the Satellites? Why are they remembered by 99% of music fans for Keep Your Hands to Yourself? I get why. It was an easy label to paste on them, too. They're an 80s version of the great 70s rock band, The Faces. It was an easy thing to do to just say they were a fluke with Keep Your Hands to Yourself. But they were more than that. As Stephen Thomas Earlwine wrote uh, in the great allmusic.com website, he said MTV had treated the band like a novelty, a bunch of hicks kicking out rock and roll. But that led MTV to play them, right? And they had to kind of overcome the novelty part that they were, and they and they and they never really did. But that debut album sold more than a million copies back in 1987. And you know what? They played rock and roll. There was a blast of, of scraping guitars. It was big drums. It was a vibe that, that bridged the decades. Before the Black Crows would make similar moves around 1990, the Crows ended up making a career last off and on for 25 years. The Satellites, they opened a couple big tours. They played a lot of bars and they splintered just before breaking up in the early 1990s. And in March of 2022, about a month before we recorded this, Satellites, they released an iconic album, a live album at the height of their, of their rock momentum, Lightning in a Bottle is what it's called. It's a 1988 Cleveland show, 18 songs set at a little club called Peabody's on Euclid Avenue. Just as their second album was out, they were pushing. They kept playing the bars. Episode 26, The Georgia Satellites. Welcome to Rock, Pop, and Roll, 
podcast episode number 26 thanks for listening i'm rob nichols we talk rock and roll and pop music from the playlist of the decade of the 1980s directly from the heartland of america recording live to digital in the middle of indiana find us wherever you find your podcasts subscribe tell a friend who digs 80s music i think they will uh they like the episodes that we put together. This is a good one. It, it tied in with this release of this album that came out just a, a couple of weeks ago, the live album. There had never been a true Georgia Satellites live album, and that's kind of what the Satellites were, right? They were a live band, and I saw them. I'll tell you a couple stories coming up uh, later in the podcast about the Satellites and the greatness of and, and how I saw them and why they why they resonated. With me, I'm a Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, John Mellencamp, Heartland rock and roll person, especially uh, when the satellites broke out and then all of a sudden they're on MTV and how did that happen? And then they, they played New Year's Eve 1986 into 87 on MTV. That's where MTV was at the time. Oh, what I do remember, though, more than MTV was was listening to them in a car. They came blowing out of my Craco car stereo. Must have been. Sometime in 86, I was introduced early to Keep Your Hands to Yourself and that crunch. May have actually first been on MTV. I don't know if I heard it on Radio First or MTV. I think I still have that cassette tape that was a guitar rock symphony to many road trips, many road pop road trips to a bar to see a bar band that we hoped could somehow remind us at least a little bit of the Georgia Satellites. On their first record, Jeff Glicksman produced it. He was mainly known as, as the producer for the band Kansas before he hooked up with the Satellites, and he gave it a big, thudding drum sound. But the best part about that first album from the Georgia Satellites was the stonesy, intermingling, intertwining, raunchy guitar duels coming from the left and the right speakers. The, the two guitars were separated, so when you listen to them, and especially with headphones, but anytime you could hear those guitars battling each other from their respective speakers. That's the greatest thing about that first record. Uh, it was those guitars. Their second single barely cracked the top 100, went to 86, didn't get into the top 40, but that second single, I loved it. Leftover from their early days, the uh, the battleship chains. I mean, there was crunchers on that on that first album, and, and sneaky smarts too. There was there was a song called "Myth of Love." Songs that were not hits, but songs that rocked. Those two guitars battling each other. Song called Nights of Mystery. So, a little history about the band on rock, pop, and roll. Uh, they were a band before Dan Baird joined. They'd always been around uh, Atlanta. In 1980, Baird, who was a, a guitarist at the time for a band in Atlanta called The Nasty Bucks, 
along with guitarist Rick Richards, bassist Keith Christopher, and drummer David Michelson, formed a, a band called Keith and the Satellites in Atlanta in 80. And after performing in some just local bars, the band lineup changed. They got a new drummer, a new bass player, and they recorded a six-track demo in Atlanta. During this time, the band changed its name to the Georgia Satellites, Glixman producing the demo here. Soon after this uh, six-song demo was recorded, the band broke up. This was the summer of 1984. Their manager, though, a guy named Kevin Jennings, took the demo to a, an English record label called Making Waves. Who They liked it. They released the demo as an EP called Keep the Faith. Had a couple of songs on there, and you can. this is early. This is the pre-major label debut album, Georgia's Satellites. And you can hear what they would become. song called Tell My Fortune off that six-song EP. They also had a, a song called My Fault. I mean, that's it. That's the Satellites, right? That EP, got, that got the band back together. So guitarist Rick Richards, he had been in Atlanta in a band called Hellhounds uh, that included Mauro Magellan on drums and Rick Price on bass. Baird joined the Hellhounds, and suddenly the band, the Georgia Satellites, were back together again. In 1986, they signed with Elektra. Glixman produced that debut full-length album in Atlanta. Uh, that debut would include Hands to Yourself. It was a band, the Satellites. Were, man, I love the Satellites. I still do. And this new live album out, I'll give you a little taste of it here in a little bit. That's why I loved them. Uh, the band that in the beginning and by the end, they were making their bones in smoky clubs. Bars with stages. I saw one of those shows near the end of their run in the late 80s. It was it was magnificent. They were playing stuff off the second album at the time. I first saw the Satellites, though. They opened for Bob Seger on the American Storm Tour. So Seger had an album out in 86, brought the Satellites on the road with him. We were like, oh, man, Satellites and the Seger. Oh, this is the best. Dan Baird has said that Bob made sure, as openers, that they had full house lights, full house sound, everything the headliner would get. He knew Bob Seger, right? He knew what the opener needed. He was an opener for years and years and years, decade. Satellite's a bar band that knows that they were either one of the five best bar bands ever or maybe more than just that shorthand description. We're looking at the Satellites and why they still matter or why they should still matter. Uh, the follow-up, their second album. So they, had, so they had the Hands to Yourself, sold a million copies. The follow-up album, the cover looked the same as the first record. It, it you know, had that black and white cover. That second record, Open All Night. Peaked at number 77 on the Billboard 200. Whatever. Right. 
That was the first single that they released. Some of the best stuff on that album was actually was covers. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis's A Whole Lot of Shaking Going On, Ringo and the Beatles version of Don't Pass Me By with some loud guitars was a gem. Turn it up. Anytime they do something, uh, they just turn it up to 11. So they're little, they had it, they did have a little bump back into uh, rock radio. In 1988, they recorded a cover of the uh, Swinging Blue Jeans 1964 hit, Hippie Hippie Shake for the movie Cocktail. So you might remember that if you remember only two things, hands to yourself and that. They released as a single. It hit number 45 on the Billboard chart, but it did make the top 20 on on rock radio. Uh, made it all the way up to number 13. Hippie, hippie, shake. All one minute and 47 seconds of it. So it was at this time that they recorded this album that they have just recently re- released, Lightning in a Bottle, recorded in Cleveland at their their baddest, still trying to crack the code to become a, a bigger band, something that they never really successfully would do. Second album, well, that, that leads to what? That leads to a third album, The Land of Salvation and Sin was the name of it. They twisted their sound a little bit into another corner of that rock and roll room. Not so much Chuck Berry as it was, uh, well, it was something else. It was released in 89, included re-recordings of Six Years Gone and Crazy were both on that original Keep the Faith EP. So they pulled that back out for the third album, produced by Joe Hardy. So they switched producers. He had produced ZZ Top. He had done some work with Steve Earle. They recorded that third album in Memphis at the historic Ardent Studios. And there would be more, though, Almond Brothers, I think, on this album than than Chuck Berry. It made it work. Different, but similar. So they did a a rockin' cover of that Joe South tune, Games People Play on the album. That was a highlight. I love Joe South. I saw John Mellencamp do a Joe South medley as an encore during his Scarecrow tour back in 1985. A real nice nod to 60s rock. You know, Joe South, Walk a Mile in My Shoes was great. So those Games People Play. For the Satellites, their third record, with the change of the sound, less of the stonesy, greasy guitar affair, more similar to the faces-like the introspection that they might bring to it with the guitar, some more piano, more mature, uh, maybe less barroom brawl, some additional melancholy. I think they were kind of understanding that 
That first burst of fame was not going to last. That flame was going to burn out. They, they, they wouldn't make it much longer as a band either. Dan Baird, he told Billboard magazine at the time that he, he left the band that he said, quote, it came about by my inability to turn in really good shows. He said, I developed a very shitty attitude about the band. So one morning I woke up and I fired myself. He said, we were together for 10 years and we weren't able to inspire each other anymore. So the band broke up. And Dan Baird? Well, he he went solo. Dan Baird released his first solo album, Love Songs for the Hearing Impaired, in October of 1992, working with producer Brendan O'Brien. O'Brien had done work with Pearl Jam or would do work with Pearl Jam. He was Springsteen's producer for a, for a trio of, of albums in the 90s and early 2000s. Dan Baird worked with executive producer Rick Rubin on his debut album. The song I Love You, Period, was a hit for him. Number 26 on the Billboard Hot 100. It made it to 13 on the rock radio charts. Sort of a novelty as well, right? Slim Dunlap, the guitarist for the replacements, played guitar on that club tour. I saw that club tour. I saw Dan Baird in a club at Pierre's in Fort Wayne. Maybe a hundred people in an oversized club, but it was good. It was really good. He played the whole solo album. His band, that band, his bands always feature Magellan, the Satellite's drummer, as a as a drummer in his band. Uh, Dan Baird's gone on to form the Yahoos. And then for a longer period, Dan Baird and Homemade Sin was his it was his band. They toured a lot in Europe, more so than in the United States. That band came to include Warner E. Hodges, who was the guitarist for the cowpunk rockers. Jason and the Scorchers still is the guitarist for them when they tour. He joined Dan. They kind of recaptured that two-guitar Chuck Berry sound. Baird has has a dozen albums or so with Homemade Sin. Big, strong, workmanlike rock and roll. Always pretty good, always loud, always satellite-esque. And here's one called You're Going Down. This is the uh, look at the Georgia Satellites on Rock, Pop, and Roll, episode number 26. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Drop us an email. We'll give you the Gmail address here coming up. The Georgia Satellites, I told you I saw them a few times on the 1986 uh, Bob Seger tour opening for Bob in his hometown of Detroit. A string of shows at Joe Louis Arena right on the river in downtown Detroit. Big sound, loud sound, echoing. Uh, because essentially the satellites opened up for Seeker to, it was like a half full hall, right? By the time they were done, though, a lot of people in the building, they liked the satellites. By the end of their pounding, Seth, crowd was crowd was into it. Honey, I got my finger right on your pulse, and it's pounding just like a drum. I 
So I, and I saw that triple bill of the Del Fuegos, the Satellites, and Tom Petty just outside of Detroit as well at Pine Knob, Pine Knob Amphitheater. Drove there after work. I was in a summer job at a factory at the time. It's, I'm not clear what we made. <laughs> but, I, but I stood at a machine, put long rubber tubes uh, on injectors in a machine, pushed two big black buttons, a mold was formed, connect the pieces. No idea. Not paid much. Pulled those pieces out, threw them in a box, and made them all day long. Whoop, push the buttons, go. Had to be to work at 6 a.m. that summer. Got off at 4. It was like 10-hour days, Monday through Thursday. Had to be in bed by like 9 to get enough sleep. It was summer. It was light at that time until about 10.30. That was an awful job. I got out on a Thursday, though. I ran to the car of my great friend, the late Tom Smith, who was waiting in the parking lot at the factory I was working at uh, on a break from from college and we as chuck berry would say motivated out of town about three hours to the show went to pine knob great show we discovered the satellites had that debut album on cassette on constant play on that trip but we also knew the del fuegos i don't know how i knew them they had a miller beer commercial that may have been where i knew about the the del fuegos they were a boston band but we had their we had their cassette too it was that roots rock genre at the time. They were kind of like the Bodines, only an East Coast garagey attitude instead of the Midwest. But the Del Fuegos were really good that late afternoon. 45 minutes of that Boston guitar garage rock. Then at sunset, the satellites came out, lit it up for an hour. A quick hour on the Pine Knob stage, rightly placed in the middle of that triple bill. I mean, they just, they just rocked it an hour. And then Petty came out and did what Petty does. Holly Gleason wrote at Cleveland at Peabody's. Their wide open Chuck Berry riff and roll was in full swagger. And that's kind of what I remember about, about the Georgia Satellites. Full swagger. They rocked from 86 to about 1990. Turned up amps, Chuck Berry, Keith Richards guitars. Right alongside a front man in Dan Baird, who's got that Fogarty Petty, Southern Barroom rocker, siren kind of voice, cut a path through the guitars. Not over, not under, but right there with them. Disguised or not, they had smart lyrics, a commitment to play loud rock pop and roll i saw him last story i saw him for the last time at the silver dollar saloon in lansing michigan in the latter stages of 1988 cold out it's middle of winter i think it was december i drove <laughs> i don't know how i got this i had a, a friend who went to jamaica he gave me his car so i had a, a borrowed monte carlo ss with my great friend jeff paul we drove to lansing michigan saw one of the loudest hardest rocking from the gut and heart small venue concerts that i had ever seen and i've seen a lot after witnessing their arena rock kind of bombast the tightness of that band in a small size room blew the roof off that joint that night that bombastic sound squeezed into that small room with 200 people tight 
Seeing a band bring it on a cold night in the middle of a Michigan winter after knowing the success that they'd already seen, that was worth something. They brought it up close. Rock, Pop, and Roll is a production of Rockford Media at rockford.com. The Rock, Pop, and Roll podcast is written, edited, and produced by Rob Nichols. Email the show at rockpoprollpodcast at gmail.com. Find Rob's written work at rockford.wordpress.com. Archived episodes and podcast links are available at rockpopandroll.com. Go there to access all of our social media links for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're going to end with uh, one last fact, a couple of songs. Hippie, Hippie Shake, the fact that I want to lay on you about that was a song. It was written by a guy named Chan Romero back in 1959. That same year, it reached number three on the Australian music charts. Romero, a 17-year-old kid when he wrote the song. A live version, though, of Hippie, Hippie Shake can be found on the Beatles album live at uh, the BBC. Their version was recorded in July of 63, so most believe it was actually recorded before the Swinging Blue Jeans had their hit recording. Uh, The Beatles also revisited that song during sessions for the Let It Be album in that film in January of 69. You want to hear a little bit of the the Beatles? Take it to the left, take it to the right, do the hippie say take with all of your Can't go wrong with the Beatles, right? Right, scream it. As for the satellites now, they're actually still around. Lead guitarist and vocalist Rick Richards, he carries the banner for the satellites, being the only constant member that is still touring under the satellite name. This is from that 88 album, just released. Dan Baird said he had a bad cold that night, congested. He's, he told the, the, the light man, hit him with hot lights. Dan said that the, the sound of the club was so good, he was fired up because he could hear himself sing. As you can imagine with the guitars and drums and everything else in that band, turned up to 10 or 11. He said they had the tube amp stage monitors. This is from that night. Lest you think the Georgia satellites did not have any, uh, have a long tail to wag, had any influence, well, they certainly did. One of the singers, songwriters, and band leaders who listened to the satellites as a kid, I guarantee the leader of the band, Blackberry Smoke. We're talking about Atlanta's finest. Great band. This is Charlie Starr. Leading them through the beginning of a hand to yourself. Check out Blackberry Smoke, man. They're a great band. (laughs) 
This is Rock, Pop, and Roll. We do so appreciate you tuning in to the podcast every time that we have a podcast. My name's Rob. Thanks for thanks for listening. And uh, let's go on, head on out with a little more of the satellites from the brand new, as we record this podcast, the brand new old live album. And uh, go ahead and shake those hips. I will see you next time. Rob Nichols here behind the microphone. Please be good to each other. The Georgia Satellites. Oh, it makes me want to hear them more. I think I'm going to turn off the podcast recording device and turn them up. Subscribe to Rock, Pop, and Roll wherever you get your podcast, and find all the episodes at rockpopandroll.com. You're listening to Rock, Pop, and Roll.